Good morning. I gave each one of you a printout of, basically it's just the New Living Translation, um, but it's Luke 24, 13 to 35. And we are going to kind of do a little bit of an interactive sort of uh, beginning here. And I'll ask you guys, uh, before I read this, what word, phrase, image, emotion, or idea sticks out to you? And it's amazing how um, here we are as a, a body of believers, but each person will probably have a little bit something different that sticks out to them. And that's how uh, the Lord works in these types of situations. So as I read it, um, go ahead and t think about what it is that sticks out to you. This slide here, um, I remember um, as a young person, my grandma and grandpa Schrock is what I called them, but they were my great grandparents, Elvin and Alma, had this picture sitting right up above their uh, couch. And so I remember looking at it. And I know that this is probably a common picture. Maybe you guys um, recognize it as well. But I never put it together that it was Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Um, it wasn't until yesterday when I Googled the road to Emmaus and this picture came up <laughs> that I put those two things together. So I thought it would be interesting to put it, put it up there um, just to kind of give you an idea about what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go ahead and read. One thing about the New Living Translation is that I don't use it very much. Um, it's not a word-for-word -word translation like the ESV or English Standard Version, but what it does is it tries to get as close to the meaning of the word and then translate it as clearly as possible um, to our language. So it reads a little bit easier, and it's also a little easier to read, they say, in worship services or to read aloud. And I just kind of like how this um, story sets up in this translation. Um, so... Let's go ahead and read. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village uh, of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who... who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some of the women from our group and his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men, men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets and explained from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. So I'll ask you the question again. What word, phrase, image, emotion, or idea sticks out to you? What was it that sort of jumped off the page? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. The second seven, I can imagine they were walking a little quicker. (laughs) Yeah. And and why do you think that was something that that stood out to you personally? Like what what do you think maybe God is trying to tell you through that? And it turns out a little differently than what you uh, had hoped for. Anyone else? <laughs> And they still didn't, they overlooked that part. Yeah. I think that this, this story here is a really good picture of the gospel, and we're going to be kind of diving a little deeper into it. I had considered possibly reading through it again just to see if there was anything else that jumped out to you again. But for time's sake, I'm not going to do that today. So just to give you a little bit of the backstory as to what's going on, and this is a familiar story, um, but it's one that I haven't necessarily delved into uh, before kind of uh, preparing for this, this sermon. But Jesus had just been crucified. And this, you can imagine, was making headline news. Everyone knew about it, everyone was talking about it, and everyone had a different opinion as to what was going on. And on the one hand, the religious leaders and the people who actually put him to death were probably relieved. Finally, they had gotten this guy off of their back, and he had disrupted and traumatized their lives so much. And finally, they were just glad that he was dead and that they could get back to normal. And then on the other hand, for many other people, the death of Jesus meant mourning and despair. They were sad about it. Grief flooded their hearts. It was the grief of almost like it was a national hero that had died. And they believed that he was the Messiah and the coming deliverer who would free them from Roman domination. But he's dead. He's gone. And their hopes were dead with his death. And they thought that he was still in the tomb and that there was no bringing him back. But then on the third day, these stories started to circulate. And some of them said that his body wasn't where it had been laid. Others said that he was risen from the dead. And people were reporting that they had seen him. And the fifth appearance of Jesus is what is taking place here in this story. It was 
when Jesus appeared to two men. And it's perhaps the most astonishing of all the stories. And when he appeared to these two men, they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was about a two-hour journey, right around seven hours. Sorry, seven miles. <laughs> these men were among the greater group of Jesus' disciples. So they weren't a part of the, the 12, but they were perhaps part of the 70 disciples that were his close followers. And they were very sad and discouraged. But, you know, what's, why were they going to Emmaus? Well, we don't know for sure, and the Bible doesn't tell us, but I think maybe from a human standpoint, they were just going to get away from it all, to clear their heads and to go back to where they lived. But evidently, God had a different purpose, because on their way, they were intercepted by a mysterious stranger, and because of this encounter with this man, they would never be the same. This is the most detailed report of an appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. And it's funny because look at all the people that he, he appeared to. Peter, right, his, one of his top disciples. And yet, here he is with these two men. One, one man is not even named. The other one is Cleopas. And it's sort of a dramatic story, if you think about it. And it almost sets up like a play. Like, you can see, like, these different acts taking place or these different scenes. So, kind of... Uh, to, to separate the different scenes, I, I kind of separated it into three different acts or scenes, if you will. And the first one would be called the discouragement. And this happens in the first couple of verses there where it says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And I can just kind of imagine them going and their heads kind of hanging down and just like being in disbelief. And, and it said that sadness was written across their face, so they were very sad. They had doubted the, the, his resurrection. And as they walked to Emmaus, they were just overwhelmed with sadness. And they didn't have any hope. And then sort of the, the longer scene is this whole discussion that takes place between Jesus and them. And that starts there in, in verse 15 where it says, As they walked, discussing these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing them. The topic of their discussion, which was Jesus, actually joined them on the road and enters into their discussion, but they didn't know who he was, and it says that God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces, and then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. The irony of this, they're, they're talking to the guy that it happened to. <laughs> it's almost comical. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and our other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. He had hoped he was, or we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. So he asked them, you know, what are you discussing? What are you sad about? Jesus obviously knew the answer, but he asked them anyway. And notice how Jesus didn't just dump everything on them, right? He will get to the gospel in a minute, but first he asked them penetrating questions to help them sort of get involved in the process. Jesus, 
every time it seems like that someone would come to him with a question, he would answer them with the question. And, you know, if you start sort of uh, try that in your life sometime and see, see how that works out for you, <laughs> but just reply with a question. But this, this whole thing is just dripping with irony because Jesus, or Cleopas accuses Jesus of being an outsider who didn't know what had taken place in Jerusalem. But obviously he wasn't an outsider on the situation. Continuing on, it says, Then some women from our group of his followers uh, were at his tomb early in the morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels that had told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. These men believed everything about Jesus, right? So they believed that he was a powerful prophet. They were a little bit wrong with that. He was the Messiah, and they missed that part. But they also said, uh, if you look here, it says that he did powerful miracles. Okay, they're right with that. And they were right that he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But they missed the most important thing. They missed that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's what he was going to do. They knew all these things about him, and they believed them, except for that most essential thing. Continuing on, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing uh, Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As Jesus was explaining these scriptures, they come to, it was apparently some sort of turnoff. So maybe they were walking along the main road and uh, there was a turnoff to go to their home. But Jesus kept right on walking straight in the main road. And... Um, as they turned to go, Jesus kept going straight. And Cleopas and his friends begged him to go home with them in the state of the night. And so then Jesus changes and decides to go to their house. And that's the end of Act 2, if you will. And now Act 3, uh, it, I think it would be fitting to call it the discovery. So reading on there, um, as they sat down to eat. He took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. He was gone. When he broke the bread and gave it to them, they realized who he was. Why? Why was that? God kept them from recognizing Jesus and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But what does that mean? So obviously God allowed them to recognize Jesus on one hand. But on the other hand, from a more human standpoint, they were probably exhausted. They had just walked all this time. They were emotionally and physically drained. But when they sat down at the table, Jesus began to take over. It wasn't even his house, yet he decided that he was the host instead of the guest. And when, they, when Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, I can imagine that maybe as he was handing it over, they saw the nail prints on his hand and the light was turned on and they recognized who he was the bible doesn't say that but i can just sort of speculate and and imagine that maybe that was the situation the one that they had been talking about is the one that they were talking to 
And I can imagine Cleopas turning to his friends and saying, this is the Jesus that we thought was still in the tomb. He's alive. We were just talking to him. And as soon as, he re- as, soon as they realized who he was, he disappeared. It's, very, <laughs> it's just a very dramatic story. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Jesus was in the business of opening things this day. First of all, and most importantly, he opened the tomb and he's alive. Secondly, he opened up the scriptures and then he opened up their eyes and now he's about to open up their mouths. Let's continue to read. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord is, has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story about how Jesus had appeared to them and as, as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. One thing, just, just a quick side note. This really kind of reminds me of the Last Supper with Jesus, right? He broke the bread and he gave it to them. But Jesus said, the next time that I'm going to do this is going to be after I'm alive and I'm going to be eating with you. So notice here, he didn't actually eat with them. He disappeared right as soon as he broke it. Later on in this same chapter, when when Jesus appears at that house that all these people were at, he says, do you have anything to eat? (laughs) And they, they broil fish and they give it to him. So Jesus kept his word and his promise on that. But what a change had happened in these men. They were so energized that they got up and went seven miles right back to Jerusalem, right where they had just come. And this was the end of the day. They were tired. They were spent. But boom, they had that energy. And I can imagine that their steps were quickened. And they were probably, I can imagine them almost running back to Jerusalem. It says within the hour they were headed back to Jerusalem. I don't know if that means, some translations say that that same hour they were in Jerusalem. So maybe it was a two-hour trip. Maybe they made it back in one hour. We, we don't necessarily know that. But I can imagine that happening. They were so excited about it. They had walked 14 miles, but like I said, the seven, the second seven were a lot different. But once you've met the risen Savior, everything about life changes. If you don't know that he's alive and that he has overcome death and is the Savior of the world, then you carry around on your shoulders the burden of your own sin, and sometimes that can get really heavy. But once you meet him and you know that he has everything that you need and that he is ready to supply everything that you've ever wanted, Once you know that he can take that guilt and replace your sin with his own righteousness because of what he did at the cross and that you don't have to doubt that it's really him because he has overcome the grave and is living today, you will have the encouragement of knowing the risen Christ and nothing is better than that. Three things sort of stick out to me in this story about Jesus specifically. And it applies to our lives today. Number one is that Jesus comes in to our situations. Jesus didn't make an appointment with them. Jesus actually caught up with them in the routine of their life, in the moments of their despair and grief. There in that moment, Jesus showed himself to be who he was. How wonderfully present is that, even in our own culture and in our own lives today. And we can see what happens when Jesus really gets a hold of someone's life. How is it that he gets their attention in these situations? And oftentimes, from what I've realized in my life and in the lives of others, he comes to us in the midst of our crisis 
and shows us who he is and what he can do. How often has that been true in my life? When we and when I am in moments of desperation, he draws us near to him. He meets us where we are at. He has never changed. We were the ones who were far from him, and he meets us right where we're at. Jesus comes through revelation. That's the second thing that sticks out to me, is that Jesus comes through revelation. What do I mean by that? Well, even though Jesus was present with them, right, and he could have easily, easily said, and he could have easily opened their eyes and said, hey, I'm Jesus, right? But the scripture says that he preached Jesus or himself to them through and from the Old Testament. And we need the revelation of the Bible in our lives. We need to be see how and who Jesus is through scriptures. Why is that? And, you know, you can talk about how, you know, people um, shared something with another person and they became a believer, right? But it still came from the Bible. And I think about the story of Lazarus and the, and the, and the, rich, uh, and the rich man when Lazarus was in heaven and the rich man was in Hades. And he says, send the messenger back to my family. Tell them this is what is waiting for them if they don't believe. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe that, there's no way they're going to believe any type of messenger that goes to, to them. So that's an example of how powerful the revelation of the Bible is in our lives and how we have to believe what the Bible says. And the third thing that Jesus did was that he comes to us by invitation. Jesus was on the way down the road and about to go right past where these people lived. And he would have had they not invited him into their home. The Lord Jesus doesn't bully us or push us into our, push his way into our lives. Even though he has the power of God in himself, he doesn't use that power to make us do something that we don't choose to do. But he opens his arms and he welcomes us in if we will invite him in. Just as those two men invited Jesus into their home that day for dinner, Jesus asked us to invite him into our lives. He knocks on the door and he asks to live within us and to be our Savior and then to walk with us and to forgive us of our sins and give us new life and a new hope. How do I know that that's true? How do I know that that's real and relevant? And that's because he came out of the grave and was victorious over death as he said he would. No other religion can say that. The Son of God, he has proven that he is the Son of God because of his resurrection from the dead. He is the same Jesus that stands in front of us today with his arms wide open and says, come to me, all you who, are la all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in closing here, once we know these things about who Jesus is, and what he has done for us, and how he has given us a new life and a new hope. We can be like those two men and go, go out, filled with energy and excitement to share the good news of the gospel. The good news of a risen Savior who has defeated death and offers us eternal life for those who put their faith in him and their trust as well. And in a leadership meeting the other day, we were talking about the difference in encouragement and exhortation. And, you know, to me, I'm like, you know, you have the gift of exhortation is almost like having the gift of encouragement. 
but exhortation is kind of a, a level above encouragement. Encouragement kind of has the idea of coming alongside of and, and, and comforting a person or encouraging a person, and it's kind of a positive type of a feeling, whereas exhortation is strongly urging them or encouraging them to do something. So usually when I end my, my um, sermons, I say my encouragement to you is, and then I'll, I'll say what it is. Well, today, my exhortation to you <laughs> is to go out and to share this good news that each one of us have, that Jesus is alive and living, and he can offer you eternal life. Not only can he offer you eternal life, but he can give you everything that you've ever wanted, and it's things that you don't even notice, but he can give you life to the fullest, and that's how each one of us want to live our lives, and that's what I want to see and other people live their lives. So I exhort you to go out and share the gospel.